0: Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Isn't it an honor to be considered old? Like, I I don't know. I mean, I I know I'm young, so I guess, I don't know if I can really say that, but, you know, the devil will always come with a lie, whether you're young or old. (laughs) If you're young, it's that you're too young. Oh, gosh, do we need to lay hands on it? That was good, okay. I had to have it on my guitar, and it cracked, but that's why it's got the name Blue Scar. Is that exactly why it happened, so... Um, we believe we believe in that around here. Um, like I was saying, the enemy will come to you if you're old, saying you're too old to do that. Your time is past, and if you're too young, or if you're young, he'll be like, "Well, you're too young to do that. Um, you don't have the the maturity. You don't have the the skill set to do that." Either way, it's a lie. The the truth is, you're just the age you need to be at to fulfill your call. You might be in a different season of it, but you're right the exact age you need to be with what you need to accomplish in this life. Amen? Well, I need to clear something up before I uh, continue, and uh, Rachel saying amen. So um, how many you guys were here last, last weekend, last Sunday? You guys are here, most people are here. So I said something because of, because um, I thought it was true in my head. It, it wasn't true, so I need to clarify, or otherwise I will be sleeping on the couch for the next week. Um, So I thought it was Rachel last week who said that I was ugly, (laughs) and uh, it was not Rachel, it was actually my mother. So um, it was when I was FaceTiming my mother with Olivia, and she's like, oh, Olivia, you're so cute. You know, your dad's so ugly, pretty much saying, how can something so cute come from something so ugly? And um, so pretty much it's actually worse than it, how I said it was. It Because was, at least with my wife, I can be like, well, you chose this. And with my mother, it's like, she didn't get to choose it. I just, this is what I came out looking like. So um, pray for me. I should have probably came up for the healing line. Um, I'll be looking for counseling in the next couple weeks, so just to clarify. All right, you guys happy to be in church? All right, let's get started. Let's go to Hebrews 4. We're going to continue talking about favor. You guys happy about favor? Do you know if you're sitting here breathing with your heart beating, you have favor on you? You, you, you might be thinking, oh, too many bad things have happened in my life. God's, God's not a good guy. God. God's not favorable. Did you know if you really added up, if you were to weigh the good and the bad that's happening in your life, the good would outweigh the bad? But as humans, we tend to um, magnify the bad. And what do I mean by that? I heard this analogy one time that you have 86,100 and some seconds uh, during the day. That's how many seconds you have. So if say you had that much money, 86,000-some-odd dollars, and you got that every day. If somebody were to steal $10 from you, would you, would you flinch? If you still had $86,000 left over, probably not, right? But why do we do that with our time? Something happens that's 10 seconds' worth, and it affects the whole rest of our day. That's... That's kind of what we tend to do. We tend to put more weight on the negative than the positive. But I can tell you something, God has been favorable to you today. Anybody experience the favor of God on their life? Yes. I know I have. So this has been our verse that we've kind of been um, standing on, putting our foundation on when it comes to favor. Hebrews 4.16, I'm reading out of the New King James. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace and that word grace is also translated favor. It's the same exact word. Whenever you see favor in the New Testament, you can put the word grace. Whenever you see the word grace in the New Testament, you can put the word favor. And it says that we may obtain mercy and find favor to help in our time of need. I've said this before, but how does it say to come to the throne of grace? Boldly. Does it say to come timidly? No. Boldly. Boldly like you own the place, right? Boldly, like you belong there, because you do. This is why it's so important that we stay away from sin, because sin causes you to not come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Well, you know, when you've messed up, done things you shouldn't have done, what happens? You get condemned, you you feel guilt, you feel shame. That is not a place where you feel comfortable coming boldly to the throne of God, right? Right? That's why it's so important that we stay away from it because we never know when we're going to need to come boldly to the throne of grace. The devil doesn't fight fair. Has anybody noticed that? He'll come to you in your weakest moment. He'll hit you in your weakest spot. So it's very important that we stay um, sober, alert, as the Bible says, so that way we can go boldly to the throne of grace. Amen? So does anybody need help in their finances. Anybody's finances could be a little bit better. Wait, Really, everybody's finances could be better, right? Uh, me too. So why don't we come boldly to the throne of favor today to, to ask for help and receive help in our finances? What do you think about that? That sound good? All right, let's pray before we get started. Father God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your favor on us, on me, on this congregation, those people watching online. Help me to speak boldly as I ought the words you want me to speak. Help everybody to hear the words they need to hear, Father. And thank you for giving us revelation and insight, and that will change us and help us. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, turn to Genesis 14. We're going to start in verse 18. So Genesis 14. Verse 18, and I'm going to be reading on New King James all day. So some background real quick before we get into this. Abraham, and he's referred to as Abram. This is before he got his name changed. I'm going to refer to him either or. It's the same person. He just got done defeating a bunch of kings in their armies because they captured Lot. That's a bad man right there. He took 300 guys. And defeated multiple armies because they kidnapped his nephew. That's a pretty good uncle, right? Tell me that's favor. There's no reason a guy with a bunch of other guys should be defeating armies, multiple armies and their kings. There's no reason. But God had favor on Abraham. God had the favor or Abraham had, Abraham had the favor of God. On his life. So that's, that's where we're picking up. So, verse 18, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem. So, most people agree that this is actually Jerusalem. This was before it was called Jerusalem. It was called Salem. Jerusalem's a lot older than when we pick up uh, Jerusalem in Exodus. It was a Canaanite um, city. So, it was called Salem before Jerusalem. And it says, This Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. So this is very important. We'll come back to it later. He is not only the king of Salem, but he is also the priest of Salem. Very important. We'll get back to that. And in verse 19, Melchizedek blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abram of of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. So, so who, uh, who's responsible for the victory Abraham got just a few moments ago? God. Like I said, there's no logical reason as to why Abraham was able to uh, win that battle. None. It was God. And, so he, and he, and he's talking about Abram, gave him a tithe of all. And in verse 21, now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, or the people, and take the goods for yourself. He's like, dude, just give me my people back. You can have the goods. You won this battle. But look what uh, Abram's response is. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take anything from a thread to a sandal strap. So he's like, I ain't taking nothing from you. Why? That... Uh, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. So he doesn't want the king of Sodom to later say, um, when people are talking about Abram and how rich he is and how wealthy he is, he doesn't want the king of Sodom be able to say, yeah, but I made him rich. Abram only wants to give one person glory. And who is that? God. God. You know how, we don't even know how much riches this was, but I would say it was quite a bit. And Abraham said, nah, I don't want to give you the glory. I want to give God the glory. Whoa, whoa, that takes faith, right? I mean, think about how you would have done in that situation. (laughs) Think about how I, it would have been tempting, right, right? To take that. It was a large sum. And you could say that he rightfully deserved it. Right, because he's the one who, who won. But he said, nope, nope. God, it will prosper me. God will get the glory. When people talk about me, they'll have no other reason but to say it was God who blessed Abraham. So I want to tell you a quick story. I used to work in uh, a parts department at a local dealership here. And uh, one thing we'd have to do every year is go to a training because new you know, new cars come out, you have to uh, learn about the new parts that are in them and all that. So um, I was on my way to this training and I was with another coworker of mine, and yeah, he was not saved. <laughs> and uh, he, we got onto the conversation because there's a, there was a very dominant religion in Utah, um, that I'm not going to mention you all know what it is, um, but that's because we were on our way to Salt Lake, we're in the middle of Utah, and um, I don't know what brought this... Uh, we were talking about this religion, and he's like, yeah, any religion that makes you uh, uh, give 10% of your income, I just want any part of that. And I'm thinking to myself, one, you don't want any part of any religion, for one. And two, I wanted to say I didn't. I said, the benefits of tithing are out of this world. And I said, I've been tith- I wanted to tell him I've been tithing for a very long time, and I can tell you it's one of the best decisions I have ever made made Um, but how can a guy who doesn't view you know God in the same way that I do how can he value tithing really was an argument a uh, a debate that wasn't worth getting into Paul talks about not getting into foolish debates right so I knew that so I kind of kept my mouth shut about it but if he thought that how many other people think that how many other Christians think that? They might not say it, but how many other Christians think that? Worldly people, yeah, tithing's not for the world. <laughs> tithing's for the church and for Christians. And you know, I, want, I wanted to tell this guy too. I said, you know what? You wouldn't have a problem tithing if you wouldn't gamble so much. Because <laughs> the funny part about it is that this guy made way more money than I did because he sold way more parts than I did. Because we worked uh, based on commission. So, And here he was complaining about that. And I'm like, You make probably twice as much as I do. And I can tell you, I'm happier than you are in the area of finances. Not because of my amount that I have, but because of who I know is my provider. Amen? So um, I don't know if you noticed, but we're, we're going, we're going, we're, we might be talking about tithing today tithing so uh, tithing this is the first time tithing is ever mentioned in the Bible so going by the law of first mention this story gives us the original intent of tithing law of first mention is pretty much if you're studying the Bible anytime there's a first mention of something that's why it's called the law of first mention that usually gives the simplistic original intent of what that was Amen? Everybody get that? So we're going to study this today. Is that cool? Yes. All right. So according to PushPay, PushPay is our giving provider, or not giving provider, our giving um, platform. Anytime you text, kiosk, it's all done through PushPay. Our, um, our whole finance giving thingamabobber is done through PushPay. Get it, got it good? Right. good? So according to them, that's who they are, less than 25% of any church congregation tithes so less than one quarter of people tithe. On average, Christians give about 2.5 percent of their income to churches. 2.5. So to put that in perspective, Christians gave more during the Great Depression at 3.3 percent. Does that sound right to anybody? We are not in a depression right now, let alone the Great Depression and they still gave more to church than we do. Whew. When I read that, I was thinking to myself, man, we could use a little more teaching on this subject. So what these statistics tell me is it seems that either most Christians don't understand tithing, or they don't value it, or they don't know what it means. Well, the Bible talks about it often, so therefore we should probably talk about it every, every once in a while, right? And, um, so my goal and my hope today is that if you've been coming for a while, it'll give you a better understanding of tithing. If this is your first time, you're like, wow, I do not want to hear a subject uh, like this today. Well, and maybe you've heard bad things about it. Well, I'm hoping through the Holy Spirit that I can give you, um, wisdom and light on this area. Maybe all of you thinking, I don't want to hear about money today. Well, did you know the Bible talks about money over 800 times? It's actually one of the most talked about subjects in the Bible. Over 800 times. And that's not, that doesn't mean the word money, but anytime you see the word riches, wealth, you know, money, gold, silver, tithe, offering, anything, any word that has to relate to money, over 800 times. So it's probably a good thing we talk about it. Amen? I believe a big reason why Americans are in so much debt, I believe why our government is so much debt, um, is because people don't like to talk about money. Um, I'm thinking of a, of a couple right now who they've been married for a really long time, and they never talked about money. Like only the wife did the finances, and uh, they were in a lot of debt. And then um, they got a hold of uh, Dave Ramsey's course and they started talking about money. Well, now they're pretty much debt-free. But what, what had to start? They had to start talking about it. For some reason, people don't like to talk about it. But, and, and even schools don't even like to teach about it. But don't worry, I can tell you about the Pythagorean theorem. I May mean, not know how to balance a checkbook, but I can tell you about that Pythagorean theorem. hmm a squared plus B squared equals C squared. Yep. But don't worry. I still have my wife do the checkbook because I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to that. Right, Rachel? I'm like, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. What's it? What's this line on the bottom left? That's called the memo tab. What's the memo? Do you sign your name there? No, you sign your name on the right side. Oh, OK, OK. But don't worry, Rach. I can do the Pythagorean theorem for you. Does that make any sense at all? So in fact, 80% of people who tithe don't have credit card debt. 80% of the people who tithe have no credit card debt. So what does that tell you? There's a direct correlation with debt to your ability to give. So, and in our society, they've made it really, really simple for you to buy that really expensive thing that you can't afford, like Pastor says, for 36,000 easy payments of 199 I don't think it's that many times that he usually says, but, but right, so we can get that gratification of that thing that won't even last prior a year. I was talking to the youth, uh, I was doing the offering for youth group on Wednesday, and um, I brought the scripture up. Uh, what does a profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his own soul? What's the point of you accumulating so much stuff and you don't know Jesus, you can't take it with you. <laughs> and even if you could, if you don't know Jesus, you'd get burnt up anyway. <laughs> right? So it's very important that um, we talk about this. So when we're talking about finance, we're talking about money. The first thing I could think of is tithing tithing. So we're going to go back to verse 18, and uh, this is where Melchizedek, he brought out bread and wine. What does that remind you of? Communion. What? Brought out bread and what? Communion? This was 500 years before uh-huh. Moses even came into existence, before the old law, the Old Testament ever gave into or ever came into existence. So you're telling me 500 years before the law, this priest was out giving Abraham communion. Whoo. This is important because the Bible says Jesus is a high priest in order of Melchizedek. So 500 years before this, God was already saying, he was already foreshadowing that because of what my son is going to do, I can favor you. He's saying right here, because of what, and that's why we take communion, right? We remember what Jesus did. He's saying, because of what my son will do, that's the kind of favor I want on your life. That sacrifice will produce the kind of favor I want to put on your life. Whew. 500 years before even the old testament so really the new covenant predates the old covenant amen why 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 could that happen because it was already a done deal before creation even happened that jesus was going to go die on the cross it was a done deal the the trinity had a business meeting they said we're going to make man we're going to make him with free will they're going to mess up what's our game plan are we willing to do this? And God said yes. He's willing to do it. Jesus said, I'm willing to do it and pay the sacrifice for, for their sins so that way they can be with me for forever. Wow. And people say there's no God. Uh, I think some people realize that the, the, that verse there was written way, a long, 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 long time ago. I think it's easy to jump between like Matthew and Genesis and and. Psychologically, think that it was close to each other. No, that happened uh, a lot farther back than when, when Jesus came, thousands of years. Amen? All right, um, point one, if you're taking notes, it says, you are favored by God before you tithe. Lord, God. I'm gonna say that again. You are favored by God before you tithe, period. That's why the title of my message today is Our Response to Favor. Our Response to Favor. Tithing is a responder first and foremost before it is an initiator of favor. We don't tithe to get something. We tithe in response to what he's already done for us. Isn't that what Abraham did? Come on, we're talking about the law first mentioned here. This is the first time tithings mentioned. Why? Because Abraham had already been so blessed up to this point. There's actually a verse in the previous chapter that says Abraham was very wealthy and cattle and sheep and goats and whatever else he had. He was very wealthy. This, that was already a chapter before this. So materially, God had already blessed Abraham abundantly. And on top of that, right before um, he meets Melchizedek, he got, God gave him a huge victory. So did Abraham have to give anything for God to do that? No. Why did Abraham do it? Because he was, that was his response to what all God had done for him. Tithing is a responder to God's favor on your life. Amen? So you're already blessed before. You're already blessed by God before you tithe a dime. And, and just so it were clear, tithing means a tenth. All right? Tithing means the first, ten, the first 10% of your income. So you're already blessed, you're already favored by God before you tithe. But as we will get into later, tithing unlocks a different vein of favor that you cannot access unless you tithe. But that doesn't take away from all the spiritual blessings you've already been blessed with. Those are yours, because of what Jesus did on the cross. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's no amount of money that can buy it. It's yours, amen? I really wanna drill this down because it's so important. You don't give, you don't tithe to get something. Now there's blessings, right? We know that, but God's such a good God. He he blesses you and then when you, you do give, he blesses you more. He just can't help himself but blessing you. He is a good God. Somebody say he's a good God. A good God. He, he just desires every possible way to bless you. That's his heart. If there's any hindrance of blessing in our lives, it's our fault. <laughs> it's not his fault. Amen? One of the biggest ways we deter blessings is with this, our mouths, and our actions. Right? Sin, all that. Sin deters that. God is not short of blessings, let me tell you that. God is not short of favor. He desires and he wants to bless you. Amen? Amen. Oh, for example, do you, um, when you give something, if you're a parent, do you give something for your, to your kids, a gift or food on the table or a roof over their head, um, do you do that out of love or do you do that out of a hidden agenda that they need to repay you later? No. Some of you are like, I'm not shaking my head, yes or no. <laughs> no, you, a good parent would give out of the love of their heart. Not expecting anything in return. Now is it nice when they say thank you? Is it nice when they do their dishes? Is it nice when they clean their room? But just because they don't clean their room, does that mean you're going to throw them out and leave them outside in the winter to sleep? No. Sean says yes. We need to pray for him right now. (laughs) No. Absolutely not. And I feel for your kids, Sean. Come on. I'm going to go over here, this section. No, we don't do that. We don't. And that's the same thing with God in his favor. He gives it to us, not expecting anything in return. But guess what? Because we love him, we should respond with something, right? There's nothing we can give that'll equate to everything that he's given us. But we can give him something. We can give him a tithe. We can give him worship. We can say thank you every once in a while for what he's done for us. He likes that. You know, God has emotions. He likes that kind of stuff. You know, he's a lot like you and me. Guess what? We were made in his image and his likeness. He likes to to feel loved. Amen? All right, point two. Taking notes. Who's taking notes? You are. Three people over here. All right, (laughs) point two. We don't tithe because of a law. We tithe because of a relationship. So Jesus was not a part of any Levitical priesthood. And if that's a big word for you, that just pretty much means that he was, he's not a priest after uh, what Moses set up in Aaron. He's not a Levite. He's not a Levitical priest. He's part of a superior priesthood that as we saw predates the, the old law priesthood, the Levitical priesthood. This is the priesthood we give into into the New Testament. We don't give to uh, the Levitical priests. Amen? We give to Jesus himself. All right, we're going to go to Hebrews 7. I wrote here, Hebrews 7, if I have time. Well, I have time, so we're going to go. Yeah. Hebrews 7, and we're going to start in verse 1. This is where um, it talks more about Melchizedek. He's a very uh, mysterious figure in the Bible. There's not much. In fact, those are the only words he ever says, uh, was that blessing to Abraham, and then we don't really hear much about him after that point. There's a scripture about him in the book of Psalms 110. It's actually talking about Jesus in that, uh, in that psalm, the future Messiah. But the, the most about Melchizedek is probably in this passage of scripture, Hebrews 7, verse 1. Are you here? Cool. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem... Priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham from, the, from returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Stop right there. Remember how I said it's very important that um, Melchizedek was a king and priest? Well, who's the only other king and priest? Jesus. See, in the old law, they had their kings, like King David, Saul, but they still had the priests. Ah, uh, Jesus got away with that, or got, got away from that, and he said, I am now the king, I am now the priest. That's it. We have one mediator between God and man, and that's who? Jesus. Jesus. Verse 2. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. This is talking about Melchizedek. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Um, when I was researching this, there's a lot of debate. People say he's Jesus. Some people say he's not Jesus. It really doesn't matter um, if he is or isn't because the, the, the passage remains the same. Amen? So whether he was Jesus, whether he's not Jesus, don't get hung up on that. Um, just know that he is um, pretty much a direct resemblance of Jesus. Now, verse 4. Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch at Abraham gave a tenth of his spoils. So this guy must have been pretty great for Abraham to do it. And in verse five, and indeed those who are of the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from people according to the law. That is from their brethren through they, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. Verse 6, but he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. So pretty much what he's saying is, Jews, you know how great Abraham is. He's, He's your father. He is not as great as Melchizedek. He obviously saw something in Melchizedek that made him do this. So this is a big deal. Verse 7, now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. So here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is written that he lives. So who is that? Jesus. So when you you gave today, who received your tithe? Jesus. Now you can be like, ah, no, the bucket received my tithe. Well, yeah, in the natural, a bucket received your tithe. But spiritually speaking, Jesus received your tithe. You know, and that, it comes up often. You know, churches have done bad things with money. There have been corrupt people in churches. Well, there's been corrupt people in every aspect of business and area of life, right? But did you know, even if you gave your tithe, and you were doing it out of obedience to God, and that church did something bad with it, that doesn't hinder the blessing on your life. Not one bit. Were you obedient to what God told you to do? Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, as far as God's concerned, that's none of your concern. But what is of your concern is the blessing that you still get because of it. Amen? So verse nine, even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. (laughs) So... What he's pretty much saying here is that even all the Levitical priests gave tithes to Melchizedek that day because Abraham's their father. Did you know you can do something for your kids? The blessings that God puts on you continue through your kids? Isn't that what he's saying right here? Because Abraham chose to do this, it was as if all the Levitical priests did it. Whoa. You know, God's a generational God. He doesn't want to just stop blessing you. He wants to keep blessing you. He wants to keep blessing your kids and their kids and their kids and their kids because he can't help himself. I mean, he's just like, here, just, just, keep, just keep getting it. Just keep getting it because he's a good God. Amen? Somebody say he's a good God. So you have to keep telling yourself that because there's going to be things that come up that will try to contradict that statement in life, right? No, he's a good God, bad devil, good God. Amen. Amen? You, this is something you've also probably heard that uh, tithing's under the old covenant, so we don't need to do it. Well, I've kind of already debunked that, but just so we're further clear, um, let's go to Matthew 23. Let's see uh, what the word himself decides to say about this matter. Matthew 23, verse 23. And this is Jesus talking. Again, I'm reading out of New King James. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. (laughs) Uh, Love those Pharisees and scribes. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Those you ought to have done, but leaving, uh, but without leaving the the others undone. So what's he saying here? Is tithing not important? Is that what he's saying? No. But is it is it important as justice, mercy and faith? No, it's not as important as that. But just because it's not as important doesn't mean you still shouldn't do it. Isn't that what he's saying here? These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Without leaving the others undone. Personally, I think a reason why um, the New Testament doesn't say a whole lot about tithing um, is because number one, this is something that you do as a response to God's favor on your life. It's not not a law anymore. Um, And I think a lot of people, especially the Jews that all these writers were writing to, they were already doing it. Why were they already doing it? Because it was a law already, right? Um, and number two, actually those are the two. Number one, it's a response to, our, to God's favor on our life. And number two, a lot of the um, Jewish people were already doing it, right? Why would you keep um, beating the nail on the head when a bunch of the people that you're talking to are already doing what um, you know they're supposed to be doing, right? Um, why would we argue with God about ten percent when He gave us His Son? <laughs> See, really, the heart behind that whole argument is not even a good heart. Why, seriously? Why would we argue with God about ten percent of money when He gave us His Son? Did you know God or Jesus was God's tithe to the world? And guess what? The tithe in the Old Testament and it still should be today is the best part. The first part right it 's not after you 've already paid everything and um, went out to eat and all that no it 's the first Amen. amount. Where does that come from? Well, it comes from God himself He gave us his best. The Bible says Jesus is the first among many brethren, right He was the first, so it 's very important that when we tithe and I believe that's a that 's a big reason why cain 's offering was Not good, right? Going back to the first murder in Genesis. Cain killed his brother because of an offering. Why? Because Abel gave his best like he was supposed to and God accepted it. Cain did not. So it's very important that we give God our best. Isn't he worth our best? Isn't he he worth the first? I think he is. Obviously, you wouldn't be here today if you didn't think so too, right? God is worth, his, worth our best because he gave us his best. Amen? Um, so we're gonna keep going here. Really, we have it better than the Israelites do. <laughs> they gave a lot more than 10%, did you know that? Just in tithes. Um, because they didn't just tithe off the top 10, or the, the 10% off the top. They also tithe every year to support the Jubilee Festival. So another 10%. And then every third year, they took another tithe to support for widows, orphans, and the poor. So that's three different tithes. So out of these mandatory tithes, if you were to average it out, they actually gave 23% of their income. That's just in tithes. That's not all the offerings they gave on top of that. So the Israelites are givers. And who did they learn that from? God. <laughs> so really, we have it better. We don't have to support a jubilee uh, festival. Um, we don't have to tithe to take care of widows, orphans, and the poor. But that's now the job of of the church, right? And for churches to support other um, ministries, who do do that? But they had to do that. We don't have to do it. We get to do it. Amen. Point number three. Tithing is a test for you and for God. Tithing is a test for you and for God. It's really you testing yourself. <laughs> the, the best way I could correlate this is um, like sermon preparation. So for me, uh, this is only speaking for me, um, the hardest part of preparing a sermon is the first part. Because I have an idea of what I'm going to talk about, but how it all gets to the end, um, it's difficult to see at first. Um, the hardest part is, is starting. How many of you could say the hardest part of whatever it is you've done in your life is just starting? The hardest part of um, working out is going to the gym. <laughs> the hardest part of eating healthy is uh, buying the groceries at first, right? And actually making the food. But you see, once you start it, it starts to get easier, doesn't it? Once I start the process of preparing a sermon, it gets easier. Why? Because now I start, it starts to come together like a puzzle. Once I start going to the gym, it's a lot easier to work out because I'm already there. Amen? It's the same thing with tithing. Once you start tithing, it might be hard at first, but I can guarantee you it'll get easier. It will get easier. It'll just be a part of your life. It's been a part of my life for a long time, even before I knew that I was tithing. Now I bring this up in youth group and they get all mad. Rachel gets jealous. Um, but I had I got an allowance from my grandparents, not my mom. I got an allowance from my grandparents. It was 20 bucks a week. And all the youth go like, 20 bucks a week, and I'm like, hey, don't hate me, come on, and Rachel gets jealous of it too, I'm like, you need to repent, woman, <laughs> anyway, so that was my allowance, 20 bucks a week, but you know, when we went to church, I just knew in my spirit, I mean, they always told me give a dollar in the offering, I'm like, ah, I don't like the dollar thing, I think I need to give two dollars, I had no idea why I needed to give two dollars, but now looking back, it was because Lord, Lord was teaching me that I needed to tithe. So even from a young age, I was tithing, and I can see looking back that opened up doors for me later that I didn't necessarily want to walk through, like getting a job. <laughs> but I was very blessed to get that job. Looking back, and um, it blessed me. I'm, I was able, I was making a lot more money than my friends. You know, but I believe it was because I was tithing and I didn't even know it, but the blessings were there because I was doing it. Amen. So tithing is your first defense against covetousness. Tithing is your first defense against covetousness. It's your first defense against, um, pride because it's really easy to, um, Getting pride about money, right? <laughs> oh, look at me, look at all that I've done. I make this amount. Blah, 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 blah. But see, when you tithe, you remember who gave you the ability to get that job in the first place. Who gave you the ability to get wealth in the first place? You could drop dead right now and you ain't making a dime. You know? Seriously. Like who you're not you're not making your heart beat right now. <laughs> I'm let's let's see, let's all try. <sighs> Couldn't stop it. It's doing it automatically, right? The whole reason you're able to get up tomorrow morning to go to make money is because of him. So see, when you tithe, you remember that. You remember who's your provider. You remember who gave you the ability to get wealth. The Bible says he gives you the power to get wealth. You don't give yourself the power, no matter how many zeros you make at the end of the year. Or, yeah one, zero, zero. yeah, you know what I'm saying. If you make zeros, though it's still zero, you put a number at the beginning and then add zeros. Right? Does that make sense? Rick's like, yeah, that makes sense. What am I trying to say? It doesn't matter how much money you make. It all comes from him. And at the end of the day, what, what was the blessing Melchizedek said over Abraham? God of the Most High, who is what? The possessor of heaven and earth. Who made it all? Who owns it all? God. <laughs> he's the creator, right? He owns it all. So really, anything you have, it's all his. But, but he's so nice and gracious, he lets you keep 90% of it. Amen? No, God could have said, hey, give me 90% and you keep 10. Could have said that. Did you know we still would have been better off doing it? Because he would take care of us? So tithing is your first defense against covetousness. 10, the number 10 is often associated with uh, testing in the Bible. So there uh, were 10 plagues in Egypt. There are how many commandments? 10 commandments. Laban changed Jacob's wages 10 times. Israel rebelled against God 10 times in the wilderness. There are 10 apostles. You guys didn't catch that? There are not 10 apostles, there's 12. <laughs> Some of your faces were like, yeah, there's 10 apostles. Okay, we're going back to square one here. There are 12 apostles. That was a test. So you see, 10's, 10's often associated with, with, with tests in the Bible. I don't think it's a coincidence that after Abraham tithed, God made the covenant with him um, about Isaac. And that's when his name actually got changed, is the next chapter from Abram to Abraham. Why is that? My personal opinion is after Abraham tithed, it was further proof that God could trust him. That God could trust him. Um, Jesus said, said it himself, if you're not faithful with the little, you won't be faithful over much, period. You know how many times I've heard people say, well, after I uh, get this job or after I do this, pay off that and all that, then I'll tithe. You know, I'm always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking to myself though, according to Jesus, that's not true. If you're not faithful with what you have now, you won't do it when you have more later. You won't. Why? Because there will always be something else you can buy. (laughs) Think about it. Even if you're a billionaire, you can go buy an island. Like, there's always going to be something you can possess that will require more money. So if you don't start the habit now, you won't do it later. I'm sorry to tell you that, but Jesus is the one who said it, not me, so take it up with him. (laughs) So... A common scripture we go to, and we'll finish off with this, is Malachi 3. So we will go there. Malachi 3, verse 8. So tithing is a test for you, and it's a test for God. Malachi 3, verse 8. New King James. It says, um, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Well, that's a pretty big statement. Wouldn't you wanna be like, well, how are we robbing you, God? And he answers them, in tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse. Now, it's very important for you to know, like I've been saying, this scripture is under the old law, so the reason they were cursed with a curse is because they were supposed to tithe and they didn't. Guess what, because of what Jesus did, Because if you don't tithe, that doesn't mean you are cursed with a curse. Now, as we'll read, it does mean you can't claim certain blessings that a tither can claim. Amen? Amen. So verse nine, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So the whole nation ain't paying tithes. Verse 10 says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. That same word try is also the word test says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out, pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room enough to receive it. Isn't God so good? So he's saying here, you're cursed with a curse. You haven't done what I've told you to do. But well, what's his response? Blessing. It wasn't spank him 500 times beat him upside the head. He could have just said, because you didn't do this, you guys are done, you guys are finished. And it's not even that at all. It's saying, hey, I want to bless you. I want favor on your life. I don't want you to be on, in this curse anymore. He's a good God. Somebody say he's a good God. Yeah. Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So you don't even have to rebuke the devourer. He'll rebuke the devourer for you so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. So he's rebuking the devourer in regards to your finances. Now you still have to do what the Bible says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you in the other areas. But with tithing, he says, because you tithe, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake against your finances nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 12, and all nations will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Does anybody want their home to be a delightful land? Do you want people when they come over to your house to be like, wow. I don't know if they'd say, wow, this is a delightful land. But don't you want them to be able to say like, wow, this is a nice house. You take care of it. I, I, I just feel different. Here. I want people to say that about my house. So, the blessings of tithing. We're going to close here. Number one, you will not have enough room to receive all the blessings God has for you. Woo! Not enough room. That means like this barrel that you got, it's it. It's like overflowing. You don't have enough room to contain the blessing. That's good. Number two, he rebukes the devourer from your bank account and your investments. I'll also add, end your giving. Have you ever, (laughs) I'm not gonna ask for a raise of hands, but um, has anything ever happened um, to you guys where it resulted in a big expense? For example, like a car breaking down or maybe a medical bill or maybe uh, something in your home didn't, didn't go quite right or maybe somebody actually got a hold of your card and spent a bunch of money. Well, that's something that the Lord will rebuke the devourer for because you're a tither. Days in the hospital are not cheap, right? That's not only attacking your money, that's attacking your finances. And the Bible says he'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. That means no pestilence, no nothing that would try to um, destroy the fruit, insects, bugs, all that done I was listening to uh, a believer's voice of victory broadcast and Kenneth Copeland and uh, Greg Stevens I think that's his name he's the guy on victory news they were talking about the goodness of God and Kenneth Copeland was talking about um, his grandpa and how his grandpa always had the best the best land he always, he always had a bumper crop and he said the biggest reason for us is because he always blessed it Like, none of the other things that happened to other people happened to his grandpa. Well, that's what happens to your ground when you tithe. God blesses it. So all those things that are attacking other people, uh, 2020, uh, Great Recession, uh, Great Depression, it doesn't affect you. I don't know about you, but I was really thankful that I was a tither last year. You know why? Because I could be like, God... You said, try me, test me. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. It will not come near your fruit in your ground. Lord, you said you would rebuke the devourer. This thing that's happening in the world, it's not gonna affect us because I'm a tither. And guess what? I couldn't have said that if I wasn't. I can't claim that if I'm not a tither. See, I had to wait to get to the spark because I didn't want you to tithe because of it, but you need to be aware that it belongs to you because you tithe, amen? Tithing first and foremost is a responder to his goodness already on your life. But like I said, it opens up another vein of favor, another vein of blessing that you cannot claim if you're not a tither, amen? Does that make sense? Is that making sense? All right, number three. People will call you blessed and you will be a living testimony of his favor on your life. The Bible says in Romans, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Well, how else are people gonna see his goodness? Through me and you, right? We are supposed to represent Jesus to this world. So it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. You know, if if you're broke and poor, people probably aren't gonna wanna look up to you in that, right? But if you're blessed and favored, and that doesn't mean having millions of dollars, please don't get me wrong, please don't misinterpret that, but it's having more than enough to be a blessing to others. It's being, it's being able to stand firm when the world around you is going crazy, when everybody else is losing money and you're not. That's a blessing. That's the goodness of God. Amen? I mean, people, if, if everybody you know is losing money and you're not, they're going to come to you and be like, so what are you doing different? What do I need to do that you're doing so that way this doesn't happen to me? And you're going to be like, let's, let's grab a seat. Let me tell you about Jesus. And let me tell you about his goodness. And before you know it, you can tell him about tithing. Because unlike my coworker friend who had a bad attitude about it, when people see the goodness of God on your life, they have a choice to change that. Amen? Amen. And, I, and he, I believe he had a choice to change it too. People always saw, I, I did my best to represent God out there. And whether that be financially or just having a good attitude. <laughs> why, why are you such in, in a good mood? Well, God is good. Amen. I'm alive. When a lot of people were complaining about the job they had, I'm like, "Whoa! I get to be here. I get to do this. Amen? All right, well, we usually stop there, but I want to keep reading in Malachi. Oh, we are... 11.40? I looked like two minutes ago and it was 11.20. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, Pastor. Um, um, do you guys have like five more minutes? Okay, all right, let's keep, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. All right, verse 13. Um, For your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? So they're like, what do you mean? What's going on here? Verse 14, you have said it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? So now you see why they stopped tithing. What's the point of it? We give all this money and we're worse off than the wicked. And that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts. So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. Has anybody ever felt that way? Wow, I give tithes. Wow, I give offerings. And -and so-and-so who blasphemes God is doing better than I am. So that's where they're at. That's where they're at. Verse 16, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. So the ones who decided, no, 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 we're staying on God's side. We're not giving into that. And the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. I think I'd rather be a part of that clan as opposed to the other clan. (laughs) What does the Lord say about this? They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him, then you shall again (laughs) you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve God. So what is he saying here? It ain't over yet, as Pastor says. It ain't over yet ain't is a word so guess what I believe you'd see fruit of it in this life because the bible promises blessing in this life but there's coming a day when it's really going to be apparent who served God and who didn't and my challenge to you is be a part of that clan don't give up keep pushing forward Just because something doesn't look like it's working right now doesn't mean it won't be working tomorrow. Still have a lot of life left. And guess what? Even if you don't see the fullness of it, because guess what? As we're still in this body, we're not gonna make all the right decisions. But there's grace for us in this time. But there's coming a day when it's gonna be very apparent who served God, who did what he said, and who didn't and there's gonna be a lot of rewards for you in that life. We just need to be more heavenly-minded, more kingdom-minded. With two kids, I tell you what, time is going by really fast. I can't believe my newborn's already seven weeks old. I mean, it's like this, every week you blink and there's another week gone by, another month gone by. Before you know it, we're all not gonna be here. So let's do our best to serve God today. Let's do our best to serve God in this life. Let's do our best to respond to his goodness and his favor by tithing. Amen? So maybe you came today and you didn't want to hear about money. You've been coming for a while and and maybe you've been coming to this church for a while and you haven't decided to tithe. Well, I encourage you, make that decision. Talk to the God about it. What, and maybe you're like, well, I, I am in a lot of debt. I, there's not much that I can give. Well, talk to God about what you can give. I can't tell you what that is. But guess what? You can start somewhere. Now, listen to what he tells you because it might be something that will challenge you. But start somewhere. That's the, that's the most important thing I can I can say is start somewhere. Pray about it. Start it. Because... He deserves a response to all that he's done for us. The least we can do is tithe. The least we can do is worship him with our money. Amen? Did you guys receive something this morning? Hallelujah. Well, why don't we stand up? Hallelujah. Why don't we just worship him this morning? Why don't we just lift up our hands? Let's take a moment and just magnify him. Father God, we worship you. We honor you. We thank you for a great, great day and a great life that we have. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your favor on our lives. We thank you for your goodness on our lives. We thank you for your empowering grace on our lives, Lord. Lord, thank you for all the good things that you've done for us that we know about. And thank you for all the good things that you've done for us that we don't know about, Lord all the bad things that could have happened to us before today that haven't, thank you, Lord, for protecting us. Thank you for your angels surrounding and guarding us, Lord. Thank you for your Holy Spirit coming and dwelling on the inside of us, giving us wisdom and insight and courage and strength to live this life. And Father God, now I just pray for the people, Lord, Lord, or wherever they may be at, In the area of tithing, Father God, I ask that you just speak to them on what they're supposed to do, Lord. Lord, for the people who have been tithing, I thank you, Lord, that the blessings of tithing belong to them. In Jesus' name, I thank you that you rebuke the devourer for their sakes. I thank you that their bank accounts, their money, their investments, their giving is protected because you said it was. And Lord, for the people who, 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 have, who have been coming and haven't tithed, Lord, I just ask that you put on their heart what they ought to do, Lord, and help them to be receptive to that. And Lord, for anybody new watching online or in this place, Lord, I pray that what I shared shed light on this subject. And I ask that you continue to share light on this subject to them, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody keep their heads down and eyes closed. Um, Maybe you came today and you're like, I don't even know what that word means, tithe. I don't even know if Jesus um, lives in me. I don't know if I believe in, in the same God you guys believe in. Well, you have an opportunity today to believe in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is your chance, this is your moment to receive the best gift, to receive God's tithe, to you. So if you're new here and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you want to, you want to go to heaven with all of us when, when you die, raise your hand. Raise your hand. I see that hand. Thank you. See that hand. Thank you. Thank you. It's the best decision you will ever make. And guess what? It's 100% free. You don't have to pay anything for it. You don't have to do anything for it. God did it because he loved you so much, so much. If you're watching online and you wanna make that same decision, just put in the chat, that's me. That's me, we'll have a chat moderator um, guiding you through that process. Well, I think we should pray the salvation prayer. We got a few hands that that got raised. We have a few people that need to be added to the family. Amen. Amen, altar ministry workers, will you come up? We'll pray it together. But those of you who raised your hand after we pray that, pray this and the um, service is dismissed, please come up to, the, to these altar ministry workers. They are here to help you. They're here to give you a Bible free of charge. And uh, they're great people to talk to about starting your relationship with Jesus. Because that's what it's all about, right, church? A relationship with him. Amen. So why don't we, uh, why don't we pray a prayer real quick? Father God, repeat after me, Father God. Father God I, come to you today, I come to you today and I tell you, I tell you, that, I you. that I need you. I need Jesus. I, need Jesus. I, believe, I believe on the third day you rose him from the dead and that he died for my sins, and he died for my sins on that cross. On that cross. Thank, you for me. Thank you for saving me. I receive your best gift, your best gift for me. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Let's celebrate. Woo! Our family just got bigger. Amen? No, that's what it's all about. There's always room for this family to grow. Amen. Nikki, you can come up. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.